1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Let's pray. Father, we come to you now uh, as your children. And so, Lord, we ask you to teach us as we open your word, I pray that, uh, Lord, you'd uh, plant seeds in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you turn to Matthew 21, new chapter this morning, Matthew 21. We're gonna cover the first 11 verses here, Lord willing. Matthew 21, one through 11. This is where we are. Okay, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them. Straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion... Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of a foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Okay, now where we are right now is that Christ is about to enter into Jerusalem. It's now five days before his death. The date is specifically the 10th of Nisan, the Hebrew month of Nisan. The 10th of Nisan is a very important date because Moses said specifically about this date, the 10th of Nisan in Exodus 12.3, Exodus 12.3, Moses said, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. This is the time of Passover. This is the 10th of Nisan. This is before Passover. It's the decision day for the Jewish people at Passover. The 10th of Nisan was the day that Moses said that every individual person in Exodus 12, 3, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb that's the emphasis on the 10th day of Nisan it's an every man a lamb day because on the 10th of Nisan every man would be challenged with the question where is your lamb where is your lamb that's going to save you from the angel of death the 10th of Nisan was a day of searching a day of searching where every person had to find his passover lamb that it was going to that was going to give its blood to put on the doorpost and there were many lambs Passover time. And on the 10th of Nisan, every man had to go among the many lambs and choose the lamb for him. That's all what's emphasized in Exodus 12.3, Moses commanded that on the 10th of Nisan, every man had to decide which lamb he chose to be his personal Passover lamb. And that meant that the 10th of Nisan was a day of searching It was a day of searching for, every man was searching for his personal Passover lamb. The 10th of Nisan was a day of finding when every man would find which lamb was gonna be his personal Passover lamb. The 10th of Nisan was a day of declaring when every man would say, I found my personal Passover lamb, I have him right here, he's one. I'm gonna trust in the blood of this lamb, I'm gonna put it on my door, he's gonna save me from death. That's the significance of the 10th day of Nisan at Passover. It was a day of searching, finding, and declaring which lamb was gonna be each person's personal Passover lamb. So this is what the 10th of Nisan was when Jesus makes his great public entrance into Jerusalem. It's on the 10th of Nisan. That's the historic day when every man was to be searching and finding and declaring which lamb is going to be his personal Passover lamb. This is the day. It's the 10th of Nisan when Jesus is making this great public appearance into Jerusalem at the time when every man is searching for his personal Passover lamb. And by doing this, what's happening here, Jesus, in essence, is saying, when he comes into the city of Jerusalem, he's saying Isaiah 45, 22. Isaiah 45, 22, where God says, look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God, and there's none else. See, it's on this 10th day of Nisan, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, it's as if Jesus is saying, well, you're looking for your own personal Passover lamb? Here I am. Look unto me and be ye saved. I'm offering to you me as your personal Passover lamb. This day, the 10th day of Nisan, you decide which lamb is gonna be your personal Passover lamb. Choose me for your personal Passover lamb. I offer myself to you what John the Baptist had already proclaimed about him in John 1.29, in John 1.29, when it says that John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And for those who chose Jesus, he became, in 1 Corinthians 5.7, 1 Corinthians 5.7, he became Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Now, This is all what's happening. The night before, the night before this time, this time when he's making his entry into Jerusalem, the night before he's at a house very close to Jerusalem in a place called Bethany, he's having supper in this house. A woman comes in, her name is Mary. She comes into the supper and she anoints his feet. She anoints his feet. She didn't know what she was doing, but she what she was doing was ceremoniously commissioning, anointing the Lamb of God to go in and present himself on the 10th of Nisan. This is all described in John 12, John 12, 1, where it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he'd raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spicknard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which also betrayed him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone, against the day of my burying has she kept this. So this section here that we're in right now, it's open for us in verse one with a journey. They're on a way, they're on their way, they're moving, it's a long walk. They're walking from Galilee to Jerusalem, that's about four to five days walk, it's a long walk. And when he left Galilee, When he left Galilee, Jesus knew that he would never return again to Galilee. And each of those individual cities that he visited up there in Galilee, Cana and Capernaum and Nazareth and Gadara, Bethsaida, each one of those individual cities, they had all had their individual limited opportunities with Jesus. None of those cities knew just how limited their opportunity was gonna be when he was there. None of those cities knew that one day was gonna be their last day when Jesus was in their city. And each of those cities, they probably just assumed that, well, he's you know, he's young, he's not gonna oh, he'll be here, he'll be back, he'll be around again. But Jesus knew that for each of the city, he knew when their last day was going to be. He never told them that their last day was here. It was just their last day and they didn't know it. They didn't know it. They did. He didn't He didn't have a clock and say, now guys, I'm gonna be here for 21 more hours. It's T minus 21. And then he later on, he says, no, I'm gonna be here for nine more hours. You have nine more hours. He never did that. He never did that. But now, when we're here with him in chapter 21, he has left all those cities in Galilee never to return again. God called the time of his presence. When Jesus was there, the word was used as the time of their visitation. It was the time of their visitation. When Jesus came to those cities, it was the time when God visited those cities because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So when he was there, that was the time of their visitation. And the tragedy, the great tragedy was that They didn't know how limited the time was of their visitation. They didn't know just how little time they really had for having Jesus in their city. They didn't know just how limited the opportunity was going to be. And that was the great tragedy for their city. You know, cities in the world, they have experienced tragedies. I mean, we all know the tragedy of 1906 when the great San Francisco fire destroyed 80% of San Francisco. That was a tragedy for San Francisco. The tragedy in 1871 when of the Chicago Fire when, which destroyed over 17,000 buildings in Chicago. That was a scar on the city of Chicago, great tragedy. The tragedy that we have lived through in 2004 in the Indian Ocean when the great tsunami came in and killed over 170,000 people in Malaysia and, and Indonesia and all those countries there in Southeast Asia. That was a great tragedy. But of all the cities, all the tragedies of all the cities, no tragedy, whether it was Pompeii with its volcanic eruption, no tragedy was greater than a city not knowing the time of their visitation by God. That was a greater tragedy than anything. Jesus is now coming to Jerusalem in verse one here, and he's thinking about the greatest tragedy that's going to be for the city of Jerusalem Jerusalem has had tragedies. Jerusalem had the tragedy of the destruction by the Babylonians, by the Chaldeans. But even greater than that tragedy is the tragedy that Jesus is thinking about as he's coming into the city of Jerusalem now, which is given to us in Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41. This tells us, Luke 19.41, the tragedy for the city of Jerusalem that's on his mind. It says, Luke 19, 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days will come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee about, keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. That was the tragedy. They didn't know the time of their visitation. What they were going to suffer was all unnecessary if they only knew the time of their visitation. And those individual cities in Galilee are a graphic, you know, they didn't know the time of their visitation, also. And when it was over, it was over, and they didn't know. And the, those individual cities in Galilee are a graphic picture of individual people. Individual people. Instead of individual names of city, it's individual names of city, you know, like Nazareth and Capernaum and so forth. But instead of that, it's names like Al and Barry and Sarah and Nancy. And like all of those cities, they had a limited time. Each person has a limited time for when, like all those cities had a limited time for when Jesus was in their cities. Individual people have a limited time when they're exposed to Jesus. And that limited time, it may be the time that they hear the gospel from a friend. It may be the time when they hear the gospel on the radio or the TV or the church or whatever. And just like Jesus did not tell each of those cities how much time they had left, for him to be there in that city. When he left, he never told them he's not coming back again. So it is with people today. They are not told how much time they have to come to Jesus. They're not told how much time they have to believe themselves into Jesus. They're not told that. And they're not told when will be the last time that they have to receive Christ. Because just as it was with those cities in Galilee, the past of whether they did not come to Christ in the past is not important, it's not important. The future of whether they are planning on coming to Christ, that's irrelevant also, that's not important. The past was not important, the future was not important, the only time that's important is the present, is the present, and that's the way it is with an individual. The past of a person rejecting Christ, it's not important. The future where a person may plan in the future to receive Christ, that's not important. The past is not important. The future is not important. The only time that's important is the present to receive Christ. The only time that is important is what the Bible calls now in 2 Corinthians six 2, 2 Corinthians 6.2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So just as it was for those cities, it's for an individual, yesterday is irrelevant, tomorrow is irrelevant, the only time that's important is today. Today, which is what the Bible says in Hebrews 3.7, Hebrews 3.7, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the temptation. So God, has this term, limits, limits. I told you when I, when I would be in Japan and my colleague there, my Japanese colleague, would tell me that, you know, we better get going. He always had this phrase. He says, time is limited, time is limited. He'd say, we gotta get going. You know, we gotta get on the, on the subway. We gotta get on the train. We gotta get to this hospital. We gotta get to this company. And he would always say, time is limited. That's what God says, time is limited in Hebrews 4.7. Hebrews 4.7, again, he limiteth a certain day saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. No one knows, those cities didn't know, no one knows the day, the moment, when it's gonna be over, of the death. But once the appointment with death is met, and there is an appointment for each of us, the next appointment is with judgment. Hebrews 9.27, Hebrews 9.27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment might as well have been written like this. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the appointment is judgment. And to die without Christ is to meet an angry God in judgment, and Hebrews 10.31 says that's not good. Hebrews 10.21 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God, of the living God. So. Because of all this, God has a great heartache, especially over his people, over the Jewish people. This just breaks God's heart, and he says in Deuteronomy 529, Deuteronomy 529, he says, God says, oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me, that they would keep all all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. He goes on, God goes on in Deuteronomy, 32.29, he doesn't let this go. Deuteronomy 32.29, he says, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Psalm 81.13, Psalm 81.13, his heart is broken about what they've lost. Psalm 81.13, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should have soon subdued their enemies, turned my hand against their adversaries. Think of the Nazis The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them with the finest of wheat and honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied thee. Well, now he's heading to Jerusalem, and such a city as Jerusalem, a city, this is a city in the world that's like no other Jerusalem. This is the one place which is the center of the earth. It's the center of the world. There's only one reason, there's only one reason why Jerusalem is such a great city, and the reason is stated so well in Psalm 48. Psalm 48 is the great is the Lord Psalm. Psalm 48, one says, Psalm 48, one says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, that's Mount Zion, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. This is the reason why Jerusalem is the greatest city on earth. Jerusalem is, Psalm 48, one, Jerusalem is the city of our God. He's the city of our God. Jerusalem is, Psalm 48, two, Psalm 48, two, the city of the great king. The city of the great king, Psalm 87, Psalm 87, verse two says, the Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things of thee are spoken, O city of God. In that verse, it goes on. Sorry, in that Psalm, it goes on. Psalm 87, Psalm 87, 5 says, 87, 5, and of Zion it shall be said, this And that man was born in her. And the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. This man was born there. Jerusalem is the city of God. It's the city of God. Jerusalem is great because Jerusalem is the city of the great king, the great king. And who might that king be? That's King Jesus. That's King Jesus. Jerusalem is the city of the great king Jesus. He just happens to be in exile right now from Jerusalem at the moment, but he's going to come back. He just happens to be have been crucified in that city. But he's coming back and he's going to make Jerusalem what it says in Psalm 48:2, Psalm 48:2, the joy of the whole earth. He's going to make Jerusalem the flower of the earth because he's not just the king of the Jews. He's not just the king of the Jews, he's God's king. Psalm two, verse six, Psalm two, verse six says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That was the decree that Jesus heard. I will, the Lord has said unto me, and then yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Psalm two. But one day he's gonna come back. He's gonna return to a city. He's gonna be installed in that city as the the king of the city. And then it's gonna be, like I said, Jerusalem is gonna be this wonderful flower for the the earth, for the whole world. But how ironic, how ironic that the greatest proclamation for the city of Jerusalem, which is Psalm 48-2, Psalm 48-2, the city of the great king, how ironic that the greatest proclamation in the city of the great king was given was given, he was identified as the great king of the city by a sign, a sign that was put over him when he was dying in John nineteen nineteen, John 19, 19. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was near to the city and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered and said, what I've written, I've written. That was the great proclamation to the world. That sign was the great proclamation to the world that this is the great king of Jerusalem.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, you can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, 330 Santee, California, 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, 330 Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org.